related to mothering. This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome to The Curious Mother. I am Kristen Daly. And I'm Melissa Miller. Uh, Today we are so excited. We are going to be talking about summer camp and we have two fantastic guests. We have Anne and Adam Boyd from Camp Merrimack, which Merrimack is where my daughter went to summer camp this year for two weeks. Um, My daughter is a rising fourth grader and she had, I, I mean, I can't even tell you what a great time she had and she came back very changed. She came back confident and I can't even say enough good things about camp. So we are going to dive in to talk about why summer camp is important and really um, what parents need to know about why they should strongly consider it. So welcome Adam and Anne. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. What got you into being uh, camp people? Uh, well, so uh, my fa- my family had Mary Mac before us. We purchased from them in 2000. My, my dad was eight years old. He went to camp. He came home from camp. He said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a camp director. And that's all we've ever done. And so uh, that's, we, we keep doing our children are now part of the camp. And they're now on staff. And some are getting ready to come in and take over the camp. And we finally have had enough. <laughs> Which isn't yet, but it'll come someday. Well, I think the story of how I came into camping interesting than that because it was Adam's family and uh, so Adam worked for his parents when he was in college and we went to college in the same town so he came to my college to recruit girls to come work at camp so I decided to come be a camp counselor with my three best friends and have never left Oh, wow. Yeah. I love it. So I find all the cute girls and say, come on, my dad. It's a fabulous pickup line. That's right. So you guys, it's a, you guys know camp better than anything, and you've seen generations of girls go through. So tell us why you think camp is a good thing for kids. Uh, right, well, I'll, I'll say, just in general, I think all children need four things. To grow up, they they need uh, community, and community is different than friends. It's a it's a type of friend. It's really more of a somebody becomes more of a sister, and that happens at camp because they live together with the same girls summer after summer, two weeks or four weeks at a time, year after year, and they become family. If you think about the siblings you have, some of your siblings may or may not um, be your best friends, but you love them, even though they may be very different than you. So they need a community, and that happens at camp. Secondly, they need. Uh, I'll call it mentors. I don't think that's the right word for it. I think maybe player coach is better. Somebody who's on the same field with them, growing also. Not somebody who's so much older than them that they can't imagine themselves being like that person in a year or two. And that's what a, a counselor is. Uh, again, player coaches that are, that are getting better at what they're doing every day and growing also. Um, and then they need a sense of adventure. I think every child needs that. Our, our children... Are, uh, they need the chance to try things that they think they may fail at doing. And I think a single-gender single camp is especially uh, important for that. Adventure is this. It's anytime you don't know the outcome. So you don't go rock climbing so that you'll end up 300 feet off the ground in a you know, two-foot ledge in a thunderstorm. But the fact that that might happen and that you're equipped to handle that well, that's what makes it an adventure. And then finally, and this is the one thing I don't think we, a parent can give their children. They need the opportunity to overcome adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't do that because it's almost biological. Our job is to protect our children from any adversity. 
just going to camp can be an adventure. It can be an opportunity to overcome adversity for some children. They think, they wonder, am I going to make friends? Am I going to be part of this community? Am I going to love camp as much as my mother did or my father did? Um, so those, uh, those are the four things that they need. And I don't know anywhere else they get them in the same mix. There are a lot of great summer camps. I think the great ones all offer those four pieces. Yeah, and there are two things that come to mind when I hear that question. One is to play off of um, one of yours a little bit. I think, and this might sound strange to a parent, but I think it's important for kids to enter into these type of residential um, communities without them. I think that uh, when they do that, they discover things that, even food, that they would never try before or activities that maybe they've tried once and didn't like and so parents don't circle back to. Mm or um, meeting friends that they've never met before that they'll continue to see year after year for the next 15 years. Um, And other than community, I think the best part about camp for me as a mom is uh, my kids would go for a month every summer and they had no cell phone, no computer. Um, It was just faces, other people's faces for a whole month. And, um, you know, I hear the girls now at camp talk about what a blessing that is, just to hand over your phone for a month and uh, not think about keeping up with that type of... um, Drama. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're just all side-by-side, face-to-face the Mm -hmm. whole time. Yeah, we don't press play, we sing. Um, Yeah. We we don't look at a screen, we look at each other. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. It's great. That's a rare opportunity anymore for our kids to be um, off of technology. And yet it is this huge gift to give them, both to be able to relax from keeping up, but also their brains needing that break. Mm-hmm. And, and parents, I think it's hard, to, it's hard to give them that break without removing them mm-hmm. um, from their daily world. And the more the girls return to camp, the more they gladly, and you just see them hand over those phones mm-hmm. and, and say, you know, take it. And what's interesting is at the end of the session, you see them reluctantly them back <laughs> like up. taking on. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm not ready to have that back. You know, it's almost like an obligation that they have to take it back. But right. um, anyway, they love kind of that month to be free. I think it's harder sometimes for the, for the parents because mm-hmm. they're, we've become accustomed to knowing where our children are talking to them so much. Tracking them. Tracking yep. them. <laughs> uh, where's my iPhone works really well. Uh-huh. And, uh, and But it's hard for a parent not to have that level of control. Yeah. Well, let's, let, let's ask about that because I do think there's a lot of parents who are like, oh, I can't send my baby away, especially mm-hmm. for two weeks. Are you kidding me? And to, ta- to help them manage their anxiety, why is it important for kids to maybe be separate from their parents when they take these risks? That opportunity to overcome adversity is part of it. Um, because if they forget their toothbrush at home, the counselors will help them get a toothbrush, right? But that's a little tiny adversity that they navigate themselves. Uh, I heard a friend of mine say that recently that children have never been physically safer than they are right now, statistically speaking, uh, but they've never been more emotionally fragile. I think part of that is because they don't have that opportunity to uh, build shock absorbers and know they can manage problems when they come up. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think just something as simple as scheduling their day. Um, Here, they have freedom to schedule their day. And we often, well, we, we don't give our campers their daily schedule until the evening after all their parents are gone. 
Uh-huh. And um, they control that. You know, they either like their schedule or they change their schedule. And um, we did that on purpose just to let them have that option to kind of uh, create their schedule and, and their day be the way they want it to be. And I think that's how they try new things. You know, I'll hear moms go, you don't kayak. And the daughter goes, but I want to kayak. Uh, and so yeah. she signs up for kayaking. I mean, that's what happened to um, our daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the last one to learn to swim, totally afraid of the water. We enrolled her in swim lesson after swim lesson, would not put her head underwater. With us watching. With us watching. <laughs> I mean, pushed her, pushed her, pushed her. She went to camp and came back a boater. Yeah, she became our head kayak instructor. Oh my gosh. Wow. So that's the thing. Like, one of the things I wonder about is I feel like I have the opposite scenario where I'm always like signing my kiddos up for adventures and they're like, oh heck no, that I don't want to do that. <laughs> How do you guys roll with that? Like, when you have somebody who's, who's more on the timid side? We had a mom, or I, I had a mom come up to me at our last closing and said, thank you for providing a place for my introverted daughter who doesn't like to try super adventurous things. Um, now, I would consider them adventurous because they were for her, mm-hmm. um, but she, you know, it wasn't the boating or the climbing or the hiking, it was summer reading and archery and riflery and um, do-it-yourself crafts, um, pottery. And so I, I still consider that a grand adventure. Right. We want girls to find a place, not where they are necessarily, where they do find out what they love and do a lot of it. Yeah. And it's hard to find out what you love when you're nervous about people watching you. Yeah. And you don't have the courage or you don't have the freedom to fail. That's one of the things that's so beautiful about a single gender camp, whether it's for boys or girls. I'll see uh, 16-year-old girls play. Uh-huh. And I'll see uh, them be friends with nine-year-old girls. Real close friendships. Uh-huh. If there were boys in the room, that wouldn't happen. Uh, I'll see the same girls struggle to climb the climbing tower, fail and try again, and fail and try again, and their friends are there cheering them on. Uh-huh. And they're not worried about a boy who has an opinion about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really it, it's a really interesting point, the idea that when we can at least pull away and, and only exist in the realm of friendship and not have this kind of other mm-hmm. meter, that it might actually create a little bit more freedom for them. And, and the same thing happens. The same thing will happen. They learn to take a risk here, mm-hmm. and then they learn to take a risk in a lot of other places, healthy risks. Even academically, when our daughter was in uh, high school, a senior in high school, she was taking a seminar. It was on constitutional law. And her, she got a B plus, I believe. She was flabbergasted. So she went to her, as the head of the school that was teaching it, and he said, look, Mary Page, I know what you believe on this topic, and I know it's not what you put here. I need you to take the risk of, uh, of telling me what you think, even though I may disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what adventure is. Yeah. I consistently have parents say, my daughter is a better fifth grader because they went to camp, and I don't understand why. I think it's that risk-taking uh, that happens and makes that happen. Yeah, it's funny. Um, we just went through a little bit of risk-taking, um, the whole family. I unwittingly signed them up to do a zipline. I didn't realize I did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody except for one daily was pretty upset about this idea that 
We're all ziplining, myself included. I don't like heights. I don't. There's oh, a lot of things there. <laughs> <laughs> that might be another story. <laughs> but, uh, but it's funny because there's been this big part of me that's been like, how do we hold on to this for forever? You know. And, and of course, like, so I've ordered like the pictures and like I, I'm like, here are all of these times that you did adventure. But it seems like the nice thing is, is even a short period of time, it seems to carry through with their confidence. Because after you guys went ziplining, they all felt incredibly proud of themselves. I swear, they all were standing inches taller. And I was like, do you see how neat this is? I mean, I'm, frankly, me too. I was like, I'm a zipline. I don't know how many people I texted saying, I just did a zipline. <laughs> and I think it's the time before this the hardest yes. for campers, children, and moms. Because you're not comfortable, you're nervous, you don't know what the end result is going to be, and you're afraid it might not go well. And so you want to change it before you have to experience the hard part. Yeah. But it's not unless you go through that hard part, the nerves and the um, maybe a few tears, that you come out on the other side having said, I did it. Because why would you say I did it unless it was difficult, a big, yeah. a big deal? Right. That's, that's kind of what makes it special. That's a really interesting point that you bring up, Anne, because of the fact that I mean, one of the things that I will sometimes hear from parents, so I do a lot of family work, and one of the things that I'll sometimes hear from parents is, I know they wouldn't like that, or I know they're not an outdoorsy kid, or, you know, why would I, why would I assign them up for something that doesn't even come close to their interests? And it seems like it actually matters a lot that it's not something they would mm-hmm. naturally be drawn to. Like, it, it is that whole, like, mm-hmm. throwing them into an element mm, that doesn't feel... That's the adventure. Yeah. And they need the freedom to do that without parents, frankly, uh, even at a young age, for them to determine who they're supposed to be. What, you know, who, who are they? What are their best gifts? What are their best abilities? Uh, one of the beautiful things that happens at camp is the counselors, who are those kind of player coaches, mm-hmm. will meet with the campers consistently. And for us, it happens in reference to a ceremony we have once a week called White Feather where they'll sit by that girl's bed or at a boy's camp. They'll sit by their boy's bed and they'll say, you didn't get a promotion in White Feather. You didn't get these awards. Let me tell you what we see being your unique ability, your unique skills. Let me tell you what we see God working into your life and the contribution you make to this cabin. Uh, my daughter was explaining that to some parents she was giving a tour to, and she said that basically the counselors for years, for nine, ten years as a camper, were saying the same thing that Ann and I were saying to her mm-hmm. at night. And she didn't, she, you know, we'd say it, that's our job. But yeah. when a 21-year-old college student says it to him, it had more weight, more gravity. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, how, do, how can you help, you kind of said the lead-up can be the hardest part. How, how can we help parents know how to talk to their kids about camp, kind of help them be courageous and parents be courageous to send their kids. Right. There's some great resources, and they really are worth reading some books. I Go to the American Camp Association website. They'll recommend a number of books. My favorite is one called Homesick and Happy. Um, there, there are a number of fantastic books out there. Uh, I think it's important to tell a child that it's okay to miss home. It's okay to be homesick. That's, that's not unusual at all. In fact, it's almost universal to have a little missing home at times. Um, and so they don't need to be afraid of that, but that what happens is that they'll keep missing home, but they'll grow to love this place and these friends so much mm-hmm. that they want to stay here and they, and they want to come back year after year. Uh, a great camp, you look at their return rate, a great camp's return rate will tell you how they're doing. Uh, our return rate's around 85%, which mm-hmm. we love because it means that these girls, they still miss home. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But they love what's going on here. Uh, things that I'll tell parents to do to determine if their child is ready is make sure your child can spend the night away from home easily. Make sure your child can spend several nights away with a family member without you there and that you don't feel like you have to call them every single day. Mm -hmm. um, okay, maybe calling them once a day is okay. <laughs> but more than that, um, because we have to be, as parents, we have to be ready also. Yes. And that's why we do the mother-daughter camp. And that's why we have the one-week programs. It's really so that the parents can become comfortable with what's going on in camp. Yeah. Have you seen any difference in the, um, because you said, like, it's been since 2000 that you've been in the camp, is mm -hmm. that right? So, in 2000, most kiddos did not have cell phones, mm -hmm. you know. And one of the things that I see is... There's just this tendency of I have a question or I have a concern. I'm going to text mom. Mm -hmm. Do you have you seen any any changes in the campers you get with that easy accessibility to parent? Uh, I see more changes with the parents. Okay. Again, I think it's harder for the parents. Mm -hmm. um, I think the campers make that transition very quickly because they their counselors are right there mm -hmm. and they love these counselors. They're exceptional. They enjoy being around them. I understand why it's hard for parents. I mean, I feel that way too. I'm even my grown children. I I have such quick access to, and if I don't hear right back, I immediately think something must be wrong. So that's a good question about what to tell parents um, when they're when they're sending their daughters and sons away to camp. And the first thing that came to my mind was to trust your camp directors, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes that might mean getting to know them a little bit ahead of time. Because when I have conversations with parents on the phone that call and want to know, you know, I haven't seen a picture of them, I haven't gotten a letter from them, or I did see a picture of them and they were not smiling the way I think they should smile. Oh, no. Or the letter said they're homesick. Um, what do I do? And, um, you know, I want to say, just trust me. I'm telling you. I, I saw them. They are. She is homesick and we had this conversation and she's better and and we're moving little by little toward a really good spot and um but again it's hard for any parent to hear that their child is struggling mm -hmm. and I think sometimes there's a bit of a struggle when you're separated um, especially for the first time some girls interestingly no matter how old they are it happens every year mm. and we have some girls that every year the first two days they're homesick or some that come for years never have homesickness, and then boom, 15, they're homesick. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know. We're always happy to have conversations ahead of time with parents about that. And it's such a good point for moms to know, though, and dads, that it's okay for your kids to struggle. And yeah. actually, there's something really good about that struggle and for you not to run in and rescue them from it, right? Mm -hmm. um, even just for them to develop their own coping skills or strategies or know that they can mm -hmm. get through something hard. I have a, a friend who was telling me a while ago just that she realized the mistakes she had made in always rescuing her daughter from every scenario, even when her daughter spilled something. At school, they asked them some tests like, well, what would you do if you um, spilled something in the kitchen? And her daughter's response was, I would step aside so my mom could clean it. <laughs> and her mom was like, what have I done? <laughs> I created a monster. <laughs> we are. <laughs> but, and, and I thought about that, too. And just the difference that I saw in my daughter coming home from camp how she had blossomed in her ability to um, kind of jump in by herself without direction, that she was mm -hmm. helping me to set the table without me having to ask. She was excited to be 
um, taking part in our family responsibilities because she was so used to it and she felt so she felt so good about having mm-hmm. roles and tasks at camp mm-hmm. that it was a reminder for me too to be like, oh right, she is capable of so much more than I mm-hmm. ask her to be for or I give her the opportunity mm-hmm. for. So it's shifted our family life since camp. And also I think it's a good reminder for parents of like, just that it's okay for them to struggle. It's okay for it to be hard. Mm-hmm. We need to give them the opportunity to blossom. They build muscle memory doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, Kristen said something earlier that I thought was interesting. She, you talked about the, um, the photograph, how mm-hmm. important the photograph was, mm-hmm. wanting to keep that forever. Uh, and it just made me think of the, one of the hardest parts for parents is that the most beautiful pieces of growth that happen through friends and adventure. That's what camp's about, friends and adventure. Mm-hmm. And growth happens as a result. Um, but the beautiful parts of that growth, parents aren't here to see. Yeah. And we have to learn that we're more interested in seeing our children grow healthfully than our necessarily experiencing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, we take a lot of pictures every day. Mm-hmm. We put them on the Internet uh, mm-hmm. uh, through, behind a password, about 200 pictures a day. That's great. Um, and Anne alluded to that, and parents will... Even we will scour those pictures like they're oxygen to our own children when they're on staff. Um, But we have to be comfortable with them having growth and healthy experiences without us being the center of that. Yeah, Yeah, and it's funny. I had sent um, my middle child who has um, ADHD. I had sent her to camp. And she, my oldest, when he went to camp, he was in no pictures because I swear he runs from the camera. But she was like front and center every picture. So I had lots of like photographic evidence, but she came back with none of the other stuff, like not, you know, the t-shirt, the water bottle. And I was like, where's all my stuff? And I realized like, how connected I was to all of these like markers that she had done it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to circle back to something Melissa said, the chores, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of uh, our, our children included are so busy now at home in school and after school activities and homework that um, there's no time for that part of home life that really is important. Everybody's kind of involved in home and family life. And so I love the fact that campers have chores. They have them in their cabins. They have them in the dining hall. And just th- uh, this morning I was in there and they, they turn on music you know, dancing queen, (laughs) and they all come in and put on their little gloves, and, you know, they just kind of boogie around and set the table, and they all know, you know, there's a little picture, this is where the forks go, the knives, the Mm -hmm. spoons, the cups, the plates, napkins, they set all the tables, put out all the food, set out all the water pitchers, it's just, it takes them about 10 minutes, there's literally... 42, there's literally 90 girls in there setting Mm -hmm. tables. Oh my gosh. It's like watching a symphony. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Or (laughs) Or it can crash. Until you hear the whole thing of knives going. (laughs) One of the things that is so important about camp is friendships. So I know some parents are really on the fence about, do I send my kids to camp with their circle of friends, Mm -hmm. or can I send them by themselves? What's your take on that? Oh, gosh. I think there's advantages to each. I think the scariest thing for a child to do is go to a camp without a friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's the best thing for a child mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I want everybody to come back with their friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's healthy for them to go and take that risk. And it is a much bigger risk. They feel that risk more. Uh, camp, it, we treat friendships like they're some um, secondary thing, like there's something that happens as a result of life. I would argue that they're the point. Uh, that connect, we're made to live life together. 
So, um, so coming to camp and learning how to make friends when you know nobody is an, an amazing skill. And um, so I'd love to see girls with friends go to different sessions and their friends. That way they go home, they still have the camp connection, um, but they also have their own connection at camp. Yeah. Uh, some girls will even go to camp for two years, make close friends, lifelong friends, and then they'll change sessions mm-hmm. and they make other life. Our daughter did that, mm-hmm. made other, make other lifelong friends. Um, we go to a lot of weddings. Uh, our daughter just got married. We were at that wedding, of course. We go to a lot of camp weddings. What we notice at all of these weddings is that the bridesmaids are almost all Marymount girls. Oh, funny. The groomsmen are almost all Timberlake guys. And they did not grow up in the same town or mm-hmm. high school. They grew up from different places all over the world and developed their friendships here. Yeah. So here's the formula that any great camp has. It's growth happens because of friends and adventure. We're made to live life together, but learning that social development is what a traditional camp does really well. If a child goes to a soccer camp, they're going to learn to play soccer well, and that's great. Go to a good soccer camp. There's nothing worse than watching bad soccer. So send your child to a soccer camp. They'll be better soccer players. If they go to a traditional camp, uh, which is what we are, they, social development is their real area of expertise. So, um, yeah, growth through friends and then adventure is what we described earlier. It, I can't say loudly enough how important that is. The ability to take um, an appropriate risk. You go to Disney World, you know what that experience is going to be on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, you go rock climbing, you don't. You go kayaking, you don't. Or if you're in pottery and you take the risk of putting a handle on your beautiful pot, it may fall apart there. Mm-hmm. We want girls to learn to take those risks. You we said, always, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you said earlier something about like the um, for the more anxious campers, there would be like a week warm up or the weekend. Is there like an ideal length to camp? I think the ideal length is to start at two weeks. Uh-huh. The one week program, you can't do a traditional camp in a week, but you can make a camp family very comfortable. Mm-hmm. That's why we have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think two weeks is the ideal time to start. It's long enough to uh, become a camper. To stop living in reference to your home schedule, mm. to know that we get up at seven, we clean our cabins, to really live that in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, girls become four-week campers. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, by the time that we see them happening around twelve, more and more girls becoming four-week. Girls. Our three were all four-week. Very quickly. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were from the beginning. Mm-hmm. My daughter Hannah is a, a fairly anxious girl, and we were nervous about sending her for two weeks and. Um, she came back saying it wasn't long enough. Mm-hmm. I wish I, I missed you. If I could have just seen oh, you great. once, I really would like to stay for another week. <laughs> and I just I couldn't believe that my anxious girl loved it. And she's mm-hmm. she's now debating. We have her signed up again for two weeks, but she's like, I'm going to be ready for four soon. And she's nine. I mean, this That's like great. it really blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I want to go back to about the friendships, and this is actually how why I fell in love with Mary Mac, and we decided to send Hannah here is I heard Mary Mac mentioned I heard a lot of camps mentioned when we did a lot of research but um the friendship piece I have a couple of clients who you know are in middle school and high school and when they had gone through the terrible social drama of middle school and gone through Mm -hmm. the mean girl stuff Mm -hmm. what they said got them through was that they had camp friends who they Mm -hmm. turned to who were in different cities at different schools Mm -hmm. and those were the stable friends who they said they have my best interest they care about me Mm -hmm. they love me and I turn to them and it helps Mm -hmm. me weather 
the nastiness that goes on at school. And to just hear that, it's so important to have this group of, this base of friendship that is sometimes aside from their daily world that I think is remarkable. I agree with that. That's exactly what our daughter experienced in middle school. The mean, the mean girl. Um, you remember she said one time, she said, uh, I think she said this to both of us, she said, I um, go to school and I'm coming back from camp, so I'm, I'm Mary Page and I love who I am. She said this when she was maybe a sophomore in high school. She said, I go to school and uh, and then I get caught, you know, come December or so, I feel like I've just been beat down. Mm-hmm. Then I come back to camp and I'm reminded who I am again. That was her language. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm reminded, and I become Mary Page again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next year she goes a little further before she gets mm-hmm. caught in the drama. I'm not sure what the magic of it is. I mean, I've tried to think mm-hmm. what it is. I, I see them when they arrive at camp and they're all seeing each other for the first time uh, from from the year. And, you know, the way they hug each other is like a monkey. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) they scream and and yell and run around. And it seems to me that it's just a real freedom to just let loose. And and I also see that it doesn't seem to matter what type of person you are or they don't really even know. I mean, it's not about what you wear or where you live or who your parents are or the things you have or don't have you you just kind of show up on that first day of camp and your parents go back home and you are just you mm-hmm. and it's like and camp is the great them. equalizer it's yeah. a great yeah. equalizer and everybody it doesn't matter what type of person you are you are a part of that cabin a part of that uh, uh, area of camp a part of your tribe a part of our community. Yeah, we were walking around uh, our other boys camp with our daughter, this isn't too long ago, and her dog was drinking out of this muddy uh, puddle of water, and we were remarking how her dog will drink anything. And (laughs) I thought to myself that camp is really clean water. Uh That's where our girls or boys come back every year, and it's just a healthy community. there, middle school, you're right, talk about challenging years. It might have been on your podcast that I heard somebody describe middle school as a virus. There's nothing to do. You have to get through it. And, and I, I wish that wasn't true. It's the best advice I could give. There, the only thing I say is there are better days. High school's coming. And, um, but it was really a, a lifesaver for our, our daughter. And we see that with lots of girls. Is it ever too late? Like if you, you know, if you have a kiddo who say is like a high schooler, 14, 15, 16, like is this, is, have they missed the bus on being able to go to camp or is, are there still advantages to that? I don't think so. Do no, you? if they want to be here, we take 16 year olds who, and that's unusual to find a, an opening for a yeah. 16 year old, yeah. but if we have that opening, uh, it's, it's like a family where people are welcomed in. I mean, yes, all those friendships are established and they're yeah. excited to have somebody Mm-hmm. Uh, in it, it's not like school where kids are um, they form alliances to keep from being voted off the island. Often, it's different. It's again like a family. We had a, a camper from France who came. Her, I think it was um, the year before Sunnyside Year, so she was just here two years as a camper, but much loved. Yeah. Mm. I mean, she's one of those imp- not infamous, famous, famous. <laughs> and, then, and then they come back in their counselors and training. Uh-huh, and yeah. then they're junior counselors, and, and then they're counselors. counselors. And I'll just say now, uh, if you can't start camp till you're in college, start it in college. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because talk about growth. 
B, a, I can't counselor. It's a fantastic It's a tough job. Yeah. It is a tough job. <laughs> I know, but it just seemed like it would be really amazing. It yeah. is. Right. How, what advice can you give to parents to find the right camp for them? How do, how do you research camps? What do you look for in a camp? All right. I'll say this. Uh, there are a lot of camps. There are 50 camps right in our immediate area mm-hmm. that do basically what we do, and they are outstanding camps. We, we're in associations together. We steal each other's best ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, what you need to do is meet a director and look at the way, the things they value for their children. Because mm-hmm. a camp director can only build a camp that he would want his children in. So meeting the camp director is very helpful. If you can tour the camp, certainly mm-hmm. do it, especially if you can do it the summer before your child comes. You'll get a feel for what's going on at camp. Uh, so Talk to people who've been to the camp. Yeah, ask for references mm-hmm. for sure. The questions that I always tell people to ask is ask about camper return rate, ask about counselor return rate, that retention is really important, mm-hmm. and ask about where the counselors come from. Uh, we love it when a counselor is coming from, uh, has been a former camper. Uh, there's a lot of strength that happens there. That, that tradition, is, I think tradition is crucial. Mm-hmm. Our, our campers need that. It connects them with a larger community than, them, than just their immediate group. So this is what I tell families. Um, we may not be the right camp. And, you know, we're not. For a lot of people, I will help you find the right camp. Mm-hmm. I believe every child needs to go to camp. Uh, we need them to go to camp because we need them to, uh, I think what it does is creates a healthier group of people. Yes. So we may not be the right one. Call me. Call me. I will answer your questions and help you find the right one. But every parent has to send their child to a single gender, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Residential. Traditional camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Single gender, residential, North Carolina, traditional camp. Um, and th- each of those things are important. Now, I say North Carolina because... Frankly, we're the Silicon Valley of camping. <laughs> concentration of camps in the country for good reason. Really? And we have our own culture and the way we do things I'm, I'm really impressed with. I'm impressed with the other camp directors. Mm-hmm. A single gender for the reasons we described. Um, uh, traditional, uh, because again, that's, it's about social development. It's mm-hmm. about growth through friends and adventure. So again, call a camp director. Say, mm-hmm. I don't think you're the right camp. Tell me camps I should be looking at. I think there are opportunities in North Carolina that you don't have a lot of other places, like the rivers for kayaking mm-hmm. and canoeing and the rock for climbing and uh, hiking trails and it's a yeah. unique spot for all that. For sure. And we have campers from all over the world, all over mm-hmm. the country. Certainly we have uh, you know, a great little group out of California, a good little group out of Texas. They come from mm-hmm. all over. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we really are so grateful that you guys were able to spend some time with us. I um, One last question, like, when should parents be looking at signing up for camp? Just so that, right. Right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and I think a lot of parents, and this is really why we want this podcast to go out in summer, is that some parents who might think, oh, yeah, I might want that for my kid next year, are going to miss the boat in getting them mm-hmm. a spot if they don't think about it the year before, right? That's true. Great camps fill early. Um, We'll have some, we have some sessions for next year at certain ages that are already full. Mm-hmm. So you definitely want to apply in the summer. And if their, application, if their applications aren't live at that point, then call the directors and ask when it will be and ask them to send you an email when that application is live so you can get your foot in the door. Yeah. It's easier to get in younger um, because when you get a girl, they stay with you. When you get a boy, they're with you through all mm-hmm. their years. Mm-hmm. So it's generally easier and younger. But, again, every now and then, we can take a 15-year-old. And yeah. we love doing that. Mm-hmm. 
So good for parents to know you cannot sign up in June of the year you want to go. <laughs> yeah. That is true. I would yeah. say that's true across the board. Right. <laughs> well, I hope that this helps everybody just understand how important and cool it is for your kids to have the experience of going to summer camp. And then we'll probably do a podcast next summer on helping parents tolerate their anxiety when their kids are at <laughs> camp. Yes, um, <laughs> so thanks so much for being on the show with fun. us today. Make sure that you check us out on our Instagram page at The Curious Mother. And on our website, we are going to have the link to Mary Mac and lots of great information about camps for you to go to. So make sure to go to thecuriousmother.com on both the podcast and the blog for more information about summer camps. So thanks so much, you guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Learn more at www.thecuriousmother.com where you will find resources related to episode topics. Please join our community and add your voice. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for listening.